Hey, welcome to the Arrogant Healthcare Marketing Bastards podcast for the week of September 12, 2011. This is episode 118. I'm Chris Bevelo, president of Interval. We are the healthcare marketing agency that puts on the podcast. Joining me today are... Jackie Ritaco, account coordinator with Interval. And Adam Meyer, creative director at Interval. How do? Hey. Pretty good. Doing good. All's good. All is well. It's the middle of September already. Now, now. Now it's flying by. This is a crazy time of the year. It is. Yeah. I don't think I've ever noticed it being so crazy until... It got crazy? Well, I don't know. This year. (laughs) (laughs) It is a crazy month. Do you have... Is Max... Is Max in some kind of daycare or, you know, that kind of thing? Does that change yep. this time of year for you or is it pretty much the same? No, that doesn't change. It just seems like this year there's a lot of weddings right around now. There's a lot of stuff mm-hmm. going on. We've got a lot going on. Um, I don't know. My birthday is this month. Not that that really adds much uh, hecticness, if that's a word, to the to the <laughs> month. But um, it's just another thing to think about. So I don't know. It's, a, it's kind of a crazy month. It is. It's an insane month. When when kids when you have kids and they get old enough to be even you know maybe a year or two away for you Adam but you know you get it's back to school and it's insane mm-hmm. just insane and I was thinking today yeah. that I've got three kids and one of them is doing like you know crossing guard oh yeah so that means I have to take three kids three different places in the morning for school at three different times. <laughs> And and they all get done at the end of the day three different times, and this will happen at a permanent level when they're one's in elementary school, one's in junior high, and one's in high school. That situation will go on for two years. That's awesome. That Talk fun. about hectic. Forget about sports and activities. Just three different trips every morning. Yeah. Whee! Yeah. Well, now you watched um you watched Waiting for Superman, right? Yeah. I think there was a section, yeah, I think it was that movie. It might have been a different documentary, but I'm pretty sure it was that one that talked about um, how the public school system in the United States, well, the whole, I mean, the whole movie is about how the public school system is a pile of crap in the, in the U.S. Um, but one of the problems was that it's really, it's not necessarily tailored to be, it's, ta- it's kind of tailored around an adult's work life as far as like school times when they start, when they stop, and not necessarily around what's best for children in -hmm. terms of um you know when they're when their mind is is ready to learn or most receptive to knowledge for maybe a lack of better way to put it um so and it's just and i guess that creates an interesting i mean your 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 experience here might have nothing to do i mean the decisions for when those kids are your kids are starting class and their other events may have nothing to do with what's best for them um but it's still kind of in the same that same you know ballpark or a same concept of uh you know what's what's convenient for us as parents and adults you know often is not necessarily best for the kids yeah what drives a lot of that to your point it's not you know it's frankly it's their busing budget right Mm -hmm. as school budgets have continued to diminish one of the things that they cut is busing and they so they have you know it used to be different buses taking kids at different schools now they have the same buses taking different kids at different schools because they can't afford the the drivers and the equipment and all that. And so, 
you know, you literally they stagger school starts and ends so that they can get people bussed around. That's one of the number one drivers to your are point. Kids, mm-hmm. yeah. Are there kids sitting on the bus for like an hour and a half before they eventually get to where they need to be? Well, <sighs> to just give you an example, school gets out at my girl's school at 3.35 or 3.40 and they get off the bus at 4.20 and the the uh, school is literally five minutes from maybe 10 <laughs> Fun. from the bus stop. So 40 minutes on the bus. That's quite a bit. Yep. Good times. Well, interesting stuff for everybody. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. That was riveting. We're actually. What's that, Jack? That was riveting. It's riveting. We're in a. We're actually in a podcast. Adam, I just forgot. We just, <laughs> yeah. we just so let's see. We got a bunch of stuff to cover. We better get to it. Um, first of all, our this is becoming a weekly note that the Whippermiss podcast has again been shifted. Mm-hmm. So I, it's almost like the boy who cried, the boy who cried Whippermiss. <laughs> <laughs> the podcast next week. No, it's next week. Now it's shifted, I think, to October. Is that right, Jackie? Yes, I believe it's Wednesday, October 5th. Okay. Now is that a podcast or is that webinar. a... Webinar. It's a webinar. webinar. Did I say okay. podcast? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, you uh, said podcast. I'm sorry. It's a It's a webinar. Okay. So, anywho, we'll give you more. We'll follow up with that when we're closer to that time. <laughs> just but to make sure it's this, happening. of course. What's just that? to make yeah. sure it's happening? Yeah. yeah. Yep. Uh, this is Shushmid Week, so when folks are listening to this, many of them will be headed to Phoenix. Oh yeah. How about that? Fun. I know. It's. I always love Shushmids conferences. <laughs> I've never been to Arizona, so it'll be fun to. Uh... If if nothing else, if Sh- if Shishmet is a bust, at least I will have seen a little bit of Arizona. A little bit, yeah. I feel like I was. Oh, go ahead, Chris. I was just going to say they had a Shishmet in Phoenix before, so you're kind of a little bit on an island. Yeah, it's not like you're. It's not like Chicago where you can walk around and see the sights. You know, it takes you like 15 minutes just to walk to the end of the hotel driveway. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> What were you going to say, Jackie? I was just going to say, Adam said he's never been to Phoenix. I feel like Arizona is the state in the U.S. that I've been to just more than any other. Not because I love it, just because that things just happen to bring me there. So I've been through Arizona. I've, I've uh, As a Boy Scout many, many years ago, <laughs> um, I spent a few weeks in the mountains of New Mexico, and I, th- I think we went maybe went through part of Arizona on that trip, but... Uh, not not enough time that I remember it. If it's anything like New Mexico, then um, yeah, I've I've been there in spirit. Probably similar. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if you are going to Shushmid, a couple of notes for you. One, please, please, please join us for branding at the bar on Thursday of the conference. Uh, starts at five thirty. We have lots of food, lots of drink, and a fun trivia game with valuable prizes. Very valuable. Last. Very valuable. iPod, iPod, iPad <laughs> 2 is the grand prize. I want one. I know. You can't, you're not eligible. I'm sorry. <sighs> I'm not going then. <laughs> so make sure you join us and find us there. We'll give you the directions to where it's at, but you'll see signs and um, we'll, we'll probably post things in Twitter and that type of stuff on where it's at. Yep. Yep. 
Also, the new book has finally shipped from the printer. So by this time, it's very possible that people who have put in pre-orders for the hardbound copy will be receiving them. Uh, But if you have not ordered a book and are attending Shushman, we're going to be giving out a special offer on the book for Shushman attendees only. So come find us. Come find myself or Adam or Jackie, and we'll be handing out the the, uh, offers to other people as well. So if you're interested in buying the book or multiple copies of the book and are attending Shushman, Got a deal for you. Mm-hmm. Bargain. <laughs> for you. Bargain. So I think that's it on updates. You guys got anything else to update us with? Uh, nope. 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 Okay. So one of the things, you know, this new book, Joe Public Doesn't Care About Your Hospital, uh, as we've mentioned before, it's really a book about five significant changes that we think hospital and health system marketers need to employ to transform uh, not only their own success, but the success of our industry overall. But the first chapter is the namesake for the book. And it's about trying to move past this idea that Joe Public doesn't care about your hospital. Uh, And what we mean by that is uh, that we need to stop thinking about ourselves and our marketing uh, and I'm going to read a. I'm going to read a little citation. Let me open it up here. I love opening the actual book. It's way more better than reading off the PDF. I'm going to read <laughs> more better. I'm going to read a little blurb <laughs> from the book that I think kind of captures it and, and puts it in painful uh, clarity. But then I want to talk about uh, one of the key concepts behind this, and to me, a very simple way to think about it. So that if you're trying to describe to other people. Uh, how do you get past this challenge? Uh, this story will do that. Okay. So you're ready for story time? Mm-hmm. Ready. Okay. So in the book, I use refrigerators to help explain this. I'm not going to get into that now, but uh, I've told that story before, so we won't get into it now. But it starts with talking about the painful truth because the majority of consumers don't need a hospital, physician, or health system at any given time. They don't care about those services. They don't care that your physicians are board certified. They don't care that you were named a top hospital. They don't care about your new construction. They don't care that you've added a new anesthesiologist. They don't care that you have the best people, the latest technology, or the best amenities. They don't care that you care. They just don't flipping care. So then I say, as the exclamation points belie, which hopefully you could hear my exclamation points and you can't see them, (laughs) I exaggerate to make a point, but only slightly. It's natural for an organization to want to promote what makes it great. It's award-winning care, it's new surgical technology, or the new cardiologist on the team. The problem is most consumers only pay attention to what is relevant to them or the famous what's in it for me. Certainly, relevant messages aimed at targeted healthcare audiences can be very effective. For example, orthopedic efforts that target those with demographic attributes that make them likely candidates for joint pain seminar. But for those without a current medical issue, health care is not relevant. So that kind of sums up the nugget here uh, of why Joe Public doesn't care about your hospital. And the key word in there that I want to talk a little bit about is relevance. That's, I, thought it would be, I thought it would be flipping. You thought it would be flipping? <laughs> yeah. Flipping relevance. <laughs> so that's why Joe doesn't care because we're not – what we want to talk about, all those things I mentioned, the physicians, the technology, the the, the awards, 
those things are not relevant to the vast majority of people out there, Joe Public. We've said this how many times now, like a hundred on this podcast? Possibly a million. At least. Yeah, probably a million. So here's the story I want to kind of use. And and I've said this, if you've heard me present on Joe Public, that I think does a good job of distinguishing relevant from irrelevant in in how we often get led astray. And it's from a a local system that uh, used to run full-page ads in the Sunday paper here. And the ads were really strong, I thought. They were very informative, very educational-based. I can't remember the name of the ads, uh, but they were typically around some kind of healthcare issue. But they were more focused on relevant content. And the one that that I always pointed to was one that was on uh, eating disorders. So this health system locally, Park Nicollet Health System, has a very uh, well-regarded uh, eating disorder clinic. And so the ad I always point at uh, talked about the eating disorder clinic, but above the fold, uh, the content was more about how, what are the signs you're looking for uh, when it comes to eating disorders in teenagers. Mm-hmm. So when you think about this, if the ad was all about we have a you know nationally acclaimed eating disorder clinic, and it's led by Dr. Bevelo and Dr. Ritako, and uh, you know we have this great process and this really comfortable amenities and blah 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 blah. And it's all about the clinic itself. The number of people that that is relevant to is very very tiny, because you have to already believe or know that the person in your life or yourself is dealing with an eating disorder. Now, there are unfortunately a lot of people in that situation, but from a general population standpoint, it's a very, very small fraction, mm-hmm. right? So you're really, really using using a mass message, mass channels to a very, very targeted audience. Instead, if you took the approach of the system and talked about eating disorders overall and said, you know, here are five signs of eating disorders to look for in teenagers. Now, all of a sudden, you've made this this communication relevant to a much broader segment of the population. Basically, any parent who has a child between the mm-hmm. age of eight and, well, 20, mm-hmm. because as a parent, looking out for the health of my child is relevant to me. And I may not think that my kids have eating disorders, but... Uh, if they're within that certain age, that's certainly something that's on my radar, along with other things that I'm concerned about, like drugs or drinking or bullying or whatever. There's you know dozens of different things I might be worried about. So I might stop and actually look at that ad, even though I don't think I need the clinic, because it's relevant to me as a parent. So that distinction, I think, really shows you uh, the difference between relevant communications to Joe Public and more promotional communications. Does that make sense to you guys? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a good the example. Difference there? Yeah, it is. And, and I used to joke about it because the ad, you know, if you want to take this to an extreme, as soon as in this scenario you start talking about the clinic, you're going to start losing some people. Mm-hmm. As soon as you start showing physicians, you're going to start losing some people. So if I'm that parent and I think my kids are fine, but I'm interested in knowing the five signs of eating disorders, as soon as I see a doctor or a clinic, now all of a sudden you're starting to let the health care component of it seep in. Right. And I might be turned off by that. Or I might think, well, 
okay, they're just trying to sell me something or my kids don't need this, so I'm, I'm moving on. Mm-hmm. So I kind of joked about, there was a picture of a physician in that one ad, but it was down below. And I said, you know, in a perfect scenario, you wouldn't even have the physicians necessarily unless they're leading some kind of seminar or offering some kind of advice. Right. Um, but this was more promotional. So you can kind of almost gauge like where that physician picture is in an ad to know how relevant that message could be to a broader audience. Mm-hmm. Make sense? Yeah. Sure. Anything I'm missing in that that you got, you know, as I tell that story, is there, is there any component of it that doesn't make sense or that you would, you know, you would say, well, what about this or what about that? I don't think so. I think you've, I think you wrapped it up. Nicely. You should write a book. well the point too is that it doesn't mean it doesn't mean that you know you shouldn't have communications or advertisements or marketing strategies aimed at those people that need your service obviously Mm -hmm. that's the low-hanging fruit so you know those are the folks you probably want to go after first the challenge with that is so many of our clients and so many hospitals and health systems use mass channels to go after that very slim audience instead of using targeted approaches such as direct mail or affinity groups or search advertising. Uh, they don't maybe have a, a very compelling website because the trick with all of this obviously is you want to be ready for these people when they need you. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's very hard to go out there and try to draw in from a mass crowd folks who have eating disorders. It's just a, you'll certainly get them but you've got a lot of waste in that effort right? as far as the cost to do that. So, so anyway, just thought cool. we'd throw that out there. I think it helps people kind of see the difference in a nutshell. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, on a related note, because a lot of what we're talking about when we, when we talk about relevant content is health and wellness. It doesn't always have to be. But I think in the eating disorder clinic um, example, you know, we're talking about preventative kind of health content, which is the five signs of eating disorders as opposed to promotional content. There was a a story I saw a couple weeks ago that caught my eye. And it is uh, a story that says, let's see, where do we find this? CNBC. Analysts praise Healthways acquisition of Navis. So many people who listen to this podcast are probably familiar with Navis. And I think it's Navis and Company. Official, yeah, Navison Company, which is a healthcare consulting firm. So have you guys heard of that, Adam and Jackie? I actually have not. I don't think I've heard of them either, to be honest. Okay, so let's see. Somebody that you know I know quite well and is actually in the book, Karen Corrigan, used to be part of Navis. Uh, I've met a number of people from Navis. They basically do strategic planning, but also kind of high-end marketing strategy for hospitals and health systems, uh, brand strategies, that type of thing. Okay. And they were purchased by Healthways, uh, which runs wellness programs. So here's a large company, Healthways, uh, that purchased Navis mainly because Navis, you know, it says in the article, uh, Navis has as clients six of the 10 largest health systems in the U.S. So Healthways said, here's a way for us to quickly get in with many of the significant systems across the country. Uh, and what that says to me is Navis and company really did a good job. Yeah. <laughs> the purchase price was $28.7 million in cash and stock. 
but it shows you how things like wellness programs are starting to really, really gain a foothold. Uh, and a lot of that is driven by health reform and the need for health systems uh, with reform within organizations like ACOs uh, to really actually help manage the health of their patients, not just treat them when they're sick or injured. Mm-hmm. Sure. Uh, but again, it also speaks to the strategy of you know how you build your brand and using health and wellness to do that. So I thought that was interesting. It is. <laughs> Fascinating. <laughs> Love it. All right. So we'll move on past that. Let's see what else we have on the docket. Oh, Jackie, you brought this one. This is a good story. Uh, this is a story you found in Entrepreneur Magazine. Yes. About, it's called, What Are Your Customers Thinking? You want me to set this up or do you want to set it up? You should. I haven't read it for a while. <laughs> okay. So this is a story about, it says, next-gen technologies predict com- consumer behavior. There's a lot we could talk about with this, but let me read the intro. Technology researchers are working on something big, a device that combines a digital screen and camera to analyze your physical characteristics and play back personalized advertisements. It isn't ready for market yet, but when it finally is, it could revolutionize the way businesses reach out to their consumers. Here's how it would work. When shoppers pause in front of a monitor, a computer reads their sex, age, race, and expression to gauge interest levels and then decides the best commercial to play. The person turns or looks away. The device attempts to draw attention back to the screen. Perhaps the music will suddenly crescendo and the customer will see a different product that computer thinks may be of interest based on the information gleaned earlier. So when you told us about this, what was the first thing we thought of? Minority Report. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, and I originally I which is a little different. Yeah, what's that? Well, originally I saw this on a segment I think on Good Morning America, which I couldn't find, but they did compare it. They sh- they showed the scene that you would refer to from the Minority Report. So, R- right, which is a little different because in that one Minority Report, it was like you had a barcode on your forehead because the <laughs> ads knew who you were. Right. So right. so somewhere the cloud kind of goes, okay, well there's Chris Bevelo, and I know Chris is. 43, he's got a business, he likes to play video games. It already knew all that. Mm -hmm. So as soon as you walked by, it would just instantly provide ads um, based on everything it knew about you. This one's a little different in that it's trying to figure out who you are, not actually who you are, but Mm -hmm. based on these things like sex ace or sex ace. Sex rate, rage, <laughs> whatever. Sex rage. I can't even, sex rage, <laughs> whatever. All these external things. So, which is interesting. Obviously, that's not as, that's not as, uh, probably won't be as effective as Minority Report. No, I would think not. But less freaky. So, do you think this, do you think this would actually work and take hold, you guys? I don't know. I mean, it just depends on how receptive people are to it. People are so standoffish to marketing right now in general that if you start, I mean, people already complain about ads in their Gmail or in their Facebook, you know, off to the side, they're being way too, hitting way too close to home. Um, So, I mean, this just takes it up another, another notch where it's like physically watching you as an individual and you know doing making decisions based on that so i don't know i i i am of the mindset that i actually like to have marketing 
targeting me a little bit better. Um, I kind of, I'm willing to open myself up a little bit to um, make sure that stuff that I'm seeing is relevant to me. Uh, maybe that's because I work in marketing. I like to think it's actually because I don't mind. I, I want to know, I want to hear from companies that mean something to me. Mm-hmm. And I want to know when there's a good deal on something. I want to know when something is happening nearby that I would be interested in. Um, so to me, as long as I'm not, you know, as long as my personal information or things about me personally, you know, in this case are not being stored, um, or used or potentially, you know, so that they could be used maliciously against me or, you know, in some other way. I don't know. It's just, yeah, I don't know. I'd be receptive to it. I just don't know what the public would be. There's already so much backlash against this kind of stuff. I think that people might ultimately think this is cool if they don't know what it's doing. You know, I mean, if they walk by and they don't know <laughs> this technology is out there that's, you know, reading them and their expression, I think it's probably going to be more effective, you know, until people discover what it's doing. Maybe I'm wrong. It almost sounds, Adam, doesn't it sound like it could be some kind of extension of the um, Xbox Connect yeah. technology? Yeah. So Definitely. For those people that don't know what that is, that's a uh, it's a little piece of equipment you buy for your Xbox that's got a camera in it, and what it does is it maps you as an individual so that you can play video games without any kind of controller. So in other words, like if you're playing tennis, it's like or the dance. Wii, except for you don't even have to have something in your hand. So it knows right. it knows what you're doing. Um, just from your physical actions, you don't even need a control in your hand. So it sounds like this might be, you know, the same kind of technology, but put to a different use. I don't know. It'll be interesting. I think, you know, there's so many opportunities for it to go astray. I mean, mm-hmm. I can, I'll wait for the next story where it, somebody gets offended because it, it thinks you're a man and you're a woman or somebody gets <laughs> offended because of the race issue um, or whatever. Uh, I don't know. I mean, maybe it could be really cool, I think, if it's a voluntary thing. And if you walk up there and you say, you know, hey, what are, what are what's the cool thing for someone like me to wear? And it knows that, you know, again, I'm 43, I'm slightly balding, I'm skinny, <laughs> whatever. And it says here, that would be cool if I, if I wanted that. I don't, just don't know if I'm walking by and it says, hey, you 43-year-old man, right? wear this. Velour V-neck. Track suit? <laughs> like you are so apt to wear. I know. I wear them all the um, time. Yeah, I don't know. I just don't know. I mean, the bigger question, really, or one of the big questions is, does marketing really need to go there? I mean, there's so much that we do today because we can. Um, But obviously, that's more of a philosophical question. There's really no you know, right or wrong answer to that. Yeah. Yeah, do we know. do we do we really need to do that? I mean, is that where marketing needs to go? I could see potential uses for that, you know, for such technology to be beneficial maybe in other areas, but I don't know. Is marketing the best application of something like that? Well, and I think to that philosophical question, later on in the story it talks about other technologies that are you know, what's interesting is this article is titled What are your customers thinking? Um, next gen technologies predict consumer behavior. I don't think this really taps what what, what you're thinking. Right. It's making right. it's making assumptions based on external. It's re, it's judging a book by its cover. 
frankly. Right. So I don't think it really does that. Um, but here's one that gets maybe a little closer to it, and this is actually happening now. Uh, there's a company called Video Mining Corporation that uh, w- with its clients, which are retail stores, it has security cameras that feed uh, images to a main computer, which extrapolates information on everything from what products people are looking at to how long they stand in front of a particular display. Now, that actually, I think, is getting more to behavior because you're actually it's, – it's basically mm-hmm. uh, ethnography where you're observing what people are doing, and that's a better indicator – of how they're going to act and, and what works than asking them, certainly, right. uh, or taking a picture of them, which is what the other one's doing. You're actually observing their behavior, and you can learn a lot from that. But mm-hmm. is, that a, is that a little creepy? I was just going to say, I think that's more creepy than the thing we were just talking about. Hospitals should do that. Hospitals should put up hidden cameras in hospital rooms to track patient behavior <laughs> everything they do from soiling their bed to going to the bathroom to whether or not they tie the back of their gown right and then they can learn from that don't you think don't you think it'd be well, awesome you, you certainly would be able to learn from it but that's <laughs> definitely creepy you yeah. know i think there are there again there, there are areas of society or or um you know a, a business where i think things like this like behavioral profiling is potentially appropriate mm-hmm. and potentially powerful. Um, I think the one example that comes to mind is, is the airline industry. You know, it's, it's, as we talk about all these body scanners and invasion of privacy and um, examples are thrown out of other countries, uh, how they handle it and how their problems are not, you know, the problems that we're facing. Um, and that behavioral profiling is one of the things that comes up time and time again, that rather than, you know, looking through somebody's clothing, you simply watch the way they behave, which supposedly can tell you, you know, tell you a lot, maybe even more in some cases about, you know, somebody's intentions or motives for, uh, you know, for traveling. Yeah. So I don't know, obviously mistakes can be made there too. So it's, it's tricky. Cool. Cool story. One more little nugget, which made me laugh. The project is called quote, targeted advertising based on audience, natural response, unquote, or, Tabanar for short, T A B A N A R, which made me laugh because I'm like, Tabanar is short. <laughs> you couldn't come up with a better. That's the original project, not the video thing, but the oh. one that tries to gauge you from your physical attributes. Targeted advertising based on audience natural response. That's a mouthful. Yeah, that's that's weird. You come up with something way shorter than that. About tabby. Tabs? Response-based advertising? I don't know. RBA? Anyway. Okay. So. All right. I think, think, are we out of time? I think we're out of time. No, we have to do the last one. (laughs) All right. So we seriously can't spend a lot of time on this because we've probably lost 10% of our listenership because of our fixation on school buses tourism ads oh. <laughs> <laughs> but this came across the transom last week i actually found it i don't know if you guys had seen it but i figured if i was true to my true to myself i should definitely share it so as you know we've spent a lot of time talking about tourism minnesota what works what doesn't the conversation started with a new tourism 
ad that Minnesota did that uh, I think we thought was good, but I think I dinged a lot based on it's got a lot of the same things that others do, like the people canoeing Mm -hmm. on a lake and, you know, all that kind of stuff. But I, this is the official eating crow segment of our show because apparently (laughs) I'm in the, I'm, I'm wrong. I'm in the minority because this ad created by, um, Cole McVoy locally, which I didn't know that. I don't know who it was created for. I can't remember. It must be the Minnesota Tourism Board. It is, yeah. Won the coveted 2011 Mercury Award for the best state tourism TV ad broadcast in the country, which is an award given by the U.S. Travel Association. Not too bad. So the people in the industry think it's good. It's great. It's the best. So... Who am I to disagree with that? <laughs> so there, there's my mea culpa. <laughs> well, we won't, we don't need to debate happy? it anymore, but yeah, it's no. a cute ad. <laughs> it's cute. <laughs> we'll put a link to the story. There is one part that made that, that I thought was ironic because again, you have to know Minnesota and you have to know our sports scene. This story came out like last week, I think it's not very long ago. It's a local story. So it's in the business journal here. But it starts off by saying, led by Joe Maurer, the Minnesota Twins are drawing more fans than ever at Target Field. The state's efforts to entice tourists to explore Minnesota have paid off with a national award. Well, Joe Maurer, as we talked about, is featured in the ad because he's a star here and he's from here. Mm -hmm. The irony is that the Twins are now, I think, the worst team in baseball, (laughs) if not the second worst. Utter collapse. And people around here are so done with Joe Maurer because of his behavior this year. So it's interesting to me that they use that. I mean, it's here nor there with the tourism part of it. I just right. thought it was interesting they used that in the article. Well, and Target Field's still a draw. but It is, but mean. but they're not filling it anymore. Yeah. So because if this story is written like five months ago, then that makes sense. But now it's almost like written by somebody who's tone deaf to the actual, <laughs> to actually what's going on. <laughs> But anyway, so kudos to you two for your belief in the Minnesota tourism ad. Go, Minnesota. <laughs> I don't know if I'd say I believed in it. I just didn't think it was very bad. I thought it was yeah. humorous, inappropriate. Yeah. It was kitschy. So I'll leave it at that. Okay. Well, is that it for this show? I think sure so. not. Excellent. Well, for Arrogant Healthcare Marketing Bastards podcast, this is Chris Bevelo, Jackie Ritaco, and Adam Meyer. Thanks for joining us. Looking forward to seeing you at Shushmid, and we will. We're going to try to do some uh, on on the ground podcasting from Shushmid. Mm-hmm. So, if you'd like to be involved in that, let us know. We'll talk to you next time. <laughs> <laughs>